0: Blessing. Yeah, welcome to you. If you're a uh, first time here today, great to, great to have you. Uh, and uh, that card, if you could fill that card in at the back, I'd love to get that today so I can book in some coffees and stuff. It's my only source of uh, caffeine. Um, it's an abundant source of caffeine. It's, it's, it's really good. So... Uh, Bless you for that. So I want to. Um, we normally are preaching from a series called the Story. We've taken a pause from that. Another couple of weeks of pause from that. We will be getting back to that. It will actually overflow till next year for those who are interested. But I want to have it have the rhythms of Scripture fit in with the rhythms of big days like Christmas and Easter and so on. So we will be getting back to that and keep an eye on our emails for that. But today I, I was just had a real message on my heart, and and I think I'll probably end up making it into two uh, two messages at least. Um, just to, as a real response to what I really sense the Lord saying, not just to, to myself or to us, but the church broadly. And uh, I've labelled it return because uh, it's just so much more palatable than repent. Uh, but there may be a little bit of repentance involved, but we'll just see how that goes. But really, you know, you know my heart if you've been here more than a, a couple of months. You know, it's, it's all from compassion. Uh, normally, the Word of God brings an, an element of conviction but no condemnation. And so as we go through this today, this is a journey I've been on and it's a journey um, of, it's a, it's a rhythm I have in my own life. Uh, I can't even say it's intentional, it's just, it just happens because I'm as human as anyone else. Um, but we just need to go through rhythms of Sabbath, we need to go through rhythms of repentance, uh, of confession, of new life, being full of the Holy Spirit again. And so this is just part of that, the outworking of that for myself. So let me just frame it in a, in a particular way, just to, just to have us all on the same page, uh, because we'll all be able to identify. I'm wondering whether you've been in a group of Christians and you've ever felt awkward when it's come time to pray. You know that time where you've, you've, you've done the Christian stuff, but suddenly someone brings you in a circle and says, can we pray now? Can you pray now? And I was like, <gasps> me, awkward. And you know that, that moment. Or have you ever stood in a worship setting like the one we've just had, and yet there's, everyone's You can feel the passion, you can feel the sincerity, but your heart feels stone cold. There's nothing in there. I don't know whether my spiritual pulse is actually there. You can't remember the last time you sensed the Lord's presence or felt the overflow of your heart just to give out exuberant praise. Maybe you've never been like that. You sometimes know that people look at you and they look up to you. They respect you as the Christian in the room, the the moral sort of high ground. But you suffer from the imposter syndrome. You think if they only knew me, they probably wouldn't think like that. You feel compelled to cover up the real stuff because you're supposed to be the holy one in the room. Sometimes you just think, I can't think, I can't remember the last time I heard God. I don't know what it's like to sense him near me. Anyone felt like that? No show of hands, actually. We won't do that. But if you haven't felt like that, can I recruit you today to be my mentor? Because I feel like that on a semi-regular basis because that's what it means to be a human being. It's what it means to have breath, to breathe in and to breathe out. We grow through these seasons of life and some of these seasons, these winter moments like that are actually like that. And it's okay just to say, yeah, that's where I'm at. Doesn't mean you're going to stay there. It doesn't mean it's sort of okay to stay there. It's a journey. We travel through that place and coming through that place well sets us up really well. And so, often where this comes from is that we feel this obligation because of our Western mindset. We look at the chart of time and performance and we say, it's always got to move to the right and up. There's no room for coming back. There's no room for going down. Uh, Holiness equals performance, all that kind of thing. And so, we get ourselves tied up in the Christian walk where we get sort of beyond the basics. We've known, okay, we know about God. We know about the cross. We know we have to rely on Him for salvation. And we sort of move past that point into the higher responsibilities, so we, we put all that, and we tuck it away, it's all squared away there, and our obligation then is, is to live the higher things. So we get more teaching, we get more um, nuance about theology, we get nuance about church, we become experts on what songs should be sung and why, or, you know, end times, or all these different stuff, and we become tied up in all that, and we commit ourselves then to a trajectory of faithfulness and sacrifice. Nothing wrong with that but they become the focus and and that which becomes the focus can turn the focus off the way that we began. And so sometimes uh, it's from an absence of doing the basics in in our Christian walk that we lose that basic heart that overflows into great things. And what's happened there is we've journeyed from an initial relationship where we give our heart to Christ, we go, man, this, this is unbelievable. I cannot believe I am saved. I'm living in eternity with Christ and his people, and you, and you literally can spend days and weeks and months enamoured with that. Then you sense his Holy Spirit in your life, the joy that comes from that, the peace beyond all understanding. And that beautiful experience, often that is our first experience of God, brings forth a response. And that response is obedience, that response is faithfulness, all those good things. But then it moves on to something else that we would call responsibility. So I've gone from relationship to response, but now I live from a place of responsibility. It's not about the heart anymore because I don't feel that anymore, but I know I've got to be faithful and so I'm being responsible now. And so there's all other descriptors become around my life because people are looking at me and they're looking at you. And we want, how do we want to be remembered? What's the legacy of my life? And, and all this stuff starts to plow through. Who does, who's that guy at work that I want to be? And we aim for first prize and the win is words like, he's the dutiful one. They're admirable. They're faithful. I'm highly respected. And this becomes first prize. Not the experience we had at first that transformed our life, but the responsibility that sort of defines us by the outside world. And so these things become the goal. And so what we learn though over time is this life of responsibility withers our soul. That which we've living for God actually seems to withdraw us from God. We seem to be able to it be so busy and so encompassed with all that important stuff, we find one day the hub's missing from my wheel. The wheel's still spinning, but there's nothing on the inside. And we keep motoring around. We feel like a shell with nothing on the inside. And our zeal is for nothing left now except keeping the rules and somehow uh, losing that relationship. And into this, I read this scripture, and I, I hold this scripture uh, warily, warily, because it's so easy to come with condemnation. But feel the heart of God in Revelation 2 where he talks to a church at Ephesus. And this is a church that was the poster child of how churches should be. People with so much vigor, they turned their community inside out, upside down and right way up. They were just going for it. There was revival, there was chaos, there was everything going on there. And Paul writes to them one day and says, the only thing I have left for you is one prayer that you would know God's love. See, they were moving on a trajectory so quick. He's saying, yeah, but don't ever lose this love and you're only gonna get this true relationship and you've you've got to have God himself reveal this love which is beyond all understanding it's high and it's wide and it's broad don't ever lose that he's saying to these high performing Christians and then we go 40 years down the track effectively two generations and we're at this point where Jesus has to go guys hey hey he says I know your deeds I know your hard work and your perseverance I know that you can't tolerate wicked people and you've tested those who claim to be apostles but aren't and have found them false. You've persevered and you've endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. And I just you'll read that and you just see the big green tick. Good job. Awesome. I love that. Thanks for that. You know, it's 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 a good thing. There's no there's no negative in that. But isn't this just you and me, really? Isn't this Western church? We know the basics, we've gone way past that now. Now we'll go to war over vaccinations because we're sophisticated. Now we'll split the church 500 ways because of a nuance of theology. We're beyond those basics now. It's like my little three-year-old boy. I, overnight, I had my, uh, three of my grandsons turn over. So ever done the, the, the grandson sleepover. So this morning, it's like, okay, I'm a bit, I'm a bit tense because I've got to get to church at 7am and I've got three boys who are 6.30, they're not awake yet. So it's all on. So me and Trish we're like a we're like a well-oiled machine with this thing now, you know. So in goes the toast for number number three because um, one of them has nutrigrain, one of them has toast with peanut butter, the other one has toast with Vegemite. Nothing else, no more, no less. Don't deviate from that, or it's on. It's on. He will go to war over it, and he'll make the whole world pay for at least 48 hours. So I'm on, I'm onto this, and it can't be too dark, and it can't be too light. It's got to be toast and white. Toast, all right, so there it is, served up, down goes the lip, hey, what's up, what, what is it, what, what, they're not in triangles, <laughs> they, are, they are in soldiers, I've done the soldiers, I couldn't believe I did the soldiers, that's number two, not number three, so that's okay mate, the toast is back in, New toast, it's coming, it's coming, you know, this is what we do with church, don't we? Isn't this what we do when we find something to argue about? It ceased to become about the holy bread anymore and thankfulness for the bread anymore. It's just, it's not in triangles, baby. I'm out. This is sophisticated Christianity. Maybe the allegory doesn't quite fit, but you, you get the idea. But when, when Jesus writes this letter to the church at Ephesus, he's approving their faithfulness because There's never anything wrong with being faithful. And that's why it's so hard to bring this message in a way that actually impacts because there's nothing wrong with being faithful. It's never wrong. But faithfulness is meant to be what? I am full of faith. Faithful. We've actually converted it. It used to be a fruit of the Spirit. Now it's what we do instead of the Spirit. It's what we do in our own strength because I'm being faithful. I'm turning up. I'm doing the job and I'm doing it in my strength. I'm faithful, but I have no faith. Because that's gone. I've learned how to do without it now because I'm nuanced. I'm sophisticated. And we have Medicare and we have social welfare and we have great houses and and who needs faith? We're not going to be faithful. So we begin to dwell then on what is secondary. And so he goes on. He says, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. And consider how far you have fallen. It's not, he's not even warning and saying, you're on your way down. He's saying, guys, you're actually bottomed down. So repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from this place. And so he's speaking to a church, the greatest church in its day, as if the top floor has already caved in. Uh, you've probably seen the, the 9-11 videos again as, as we cele- oh, not celebrate, commemorate, 20 years of that terrible day, we all remember what we were doing at that moment as we saw it live. I was watching West Wing and I remember it was a Tuesday evening, our time, 9 a.m. their time. They interrupted West Wing. I said to Trish, I woke her up. I said, the world's about to change. Heads up. And I saw that top, the top of the first building. I thought, that building looks like it's bent. And then watched it fall to the ground and just knew we'd never be the same. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you realise the top floors down it's it's actually uh, Ephesus it's ground zero haven't you noticed or is the fact that we haven't noticed really the problem maybe that's the problem so he says to consider and to consider means to stop just stop just it's okay I know you're faithful but let's have a time out because God's saying this present situation that we find ourselves in it's it's already unacceptable it's not something that's coming Fix your mind not on whether Jesus is coming back in three and a half years' time. Think about this, because this is what matters to him. Don't move on to the greater logic until this one's sorted. And it's so significant, this is what rattles me as a pastor of a church. It's so significant that God would rather have no church than a loveless church. Man, can you breathe that in for a moment? He would rather have no church, nothing on the corner, if it was full of. Cranky old stuffy people who take pride in, proud in, their, in their efforts for, for God instead of through God. Jesus himself would rather have no church than that church. That horrifies me. And that's what wakes my soul up to think that is unacceptable for me. Don't worry about what your heart's doing. Mine's going, man, this is, this is I don't know of anything more serious than this because I've dedicated my life to the local church. We've got to get this right. So he calls us to return to what we did before, to rebuild that ground floor, to get that thing back up again before we worry about dressing up and repainting the top again. And he's really saying, it's not about your responsibilities. Thank you for them, it's great. But what I want is your relationship. Now I get inspired almost every week by the people that I interact with. It really is, a, a, it's become a growing joy of mine that i would missed out on for so many years uh, in other roles that I've had as a pastor. But but here I love catching up and hearing and just listening to people. And recent weeks and months, I've just, um, because of COVID, uh, there are people come from churches that I've known from years ago and, they, and they're, they're in distress and they're worried and, they're, and they just want to talk to someone they know and, and, and can trust in that sense and just talk it out because it's getting harder and harder in, in churches to feel accepted if your opinion's not within the bandwidth of what everyone else calls normal. And we, we actually, we all need to understand that because that is genuine pain being felt by genuine people who've sought out issues and come to different conclusions to us. And they love God and they're, and they're worried whether they can ever be accepted in a church again. Should we not be the most accepting place? Should we, should we just dissolve that as a non-issue because people are the issue? And you've heard me speak out about this stuff occasionally, but but people matter. Every person matters, and they always will in this place. And anyway, I I digress. But particularly this week, there's been two in a week that have come to me, and, and, and they said, I love church, but I just long to be free, just to worship and be passionate with people and just see God work again. Now I wonder if you understand what they're saying because when they said it, my heart rate goes up five beats because I, I really do resonate because this is, takes a lot of work. This has rules of engagement about it. This is a public meeting. Anyone is welcome. People who have no faith all the way through to a highly qualified ministers and people of God, the generals, the whole, everyone is welcome here. So that, that means there are some things are appropriate and some things aren't. And some people just want to break loose with people they know and just do a dance, do a hoot, and just and just be free. And they feel, oh, where can I find an environment to do that? And so their heart begins to long and they almost start to feel constrained and so I heard this heart come out and so they said what we've done we've set up our garage we've cleared the cars out toolboxes are gone set it up as a worship war room and a worship space and so we get friends after church on Sunday to come around just so we can worship invite the presence of God pray for each other and see miracles and do all the stuff you read about in the book of Acts that's what we do every Sunday afternoon and I think man can I come to your place on a Sunday afternoon hang on I don't have to we do it here on Sunday night it's all it's all good but It just reminds me, that whole thing reminds me of why we do this. Because this can test your endurance. This can get you tired. You know, I'm actually, I want to thank you guys for actually being here today. It's school holidays, it's the first Sunday, first school holidays we've had for a while with no lockdown. It's springtime. You could have been anywhere else. So this message, is not about you. It's about all your friends. (laughs) All the ones that were stuck at the rugby last night and aren't here this morning. You know, all, all those guys. I know there's some who went there or here. Bless your heart. But that sort of, that sort of mindset just reminds me, oh, that's why I got in the ministry. In fact, that's how I got in the ministry. I did that to the garage. I got 20 people around. We lifted the roof and had a great time. That's the heart of this thing. And now it's gotten complex. Now I've had to move from here and also be over here. I've got to have that relationship, but I've got to be responsible because it matters that we do things well here, that we're appropriate here in the public space. And so I've got to have relationship, I've got to have the response, and I've got to be responsible. So you don't lose one to have the other. The upper floor's got to be built on the lower floor. So what I'd love to do is just go through, over the next week or so, some of these basics. Go back to the things you did at first. And... What we find is if we just do the same things we did at first, it's not going to work because our, our life has moved on. Our life is more complicated now. There's more responsibilities. It only ever atrophies into complexity, doesn't it? And so what he's saying is to go back and do the things you did at first. That Greek word means the primacy. It's talking about the first things, the premier things. Do the things that mattered most then. And so what I want to do is bring back a couple of those things and just remind us what it takes to live out of that response of what happened originally. I want to start with this very, very, very simple word called faith. So I'm not talking here just about the faith that saves you, as awesome as that is, but the faith that sustains you. Because our ability to rely on God needs to grow with the upgraded life that we develop. If I have faith here for salvation, I believe in Jesus to pay the price for my sin, I could never do that, I'm relying on you to save me, I'm saved. My life, my spiritual load, the responsibilities on my heart and your heart only ever grow. And so that faith, as wonderful as it is, is not the faith that's going to get you through now. So we need to grow our faith and take it beyond the basics. Because what we do with faith, because it's such a simple word, we treat it simplistically. But simplistic faith is not the same as simple faith. It's like the difference between being childish and being childlike. Very different things, but there's a journey from simplicity to being simple. So you start off with simplistic faith. God's in control of everything. That's my faith. I've just gotten saved. This is when I become a Christian. I came out of a non-Christian darkness into faith, and suddenly there is a God. This God is in control of everything. He's in control of every choice I make. Everything that happens to me, nothing happens by mistake. You know, it's all designed. It's all woven in there. That's simplistic faith. But what happens to me five years down the track is I find bad things happen to good people. How did God allow that? How did he allow COVID? How did he allow my sibling to die or, or my friend's marriage to break up? How could God allow that? And so now it's complicated. Now I've got to become nuanced in faith. Now faith isn't what it used to be. It was simplistic. Now it's complicated. I don't know what I can have faith in anymore because I trusted God for some things and they just didn't happen. And they were important to me. So how can I have faith anymore in this God and I don't know where, what sort of mood he's in now. Is he going to be in a good mood and do it or a bad mood? Am I being judged or does he love me? And, you, and it gets complicated. and I can't work this stuff out. But ultimately we find this neutral space where we think, we just go, oh, I don't really know, uh, but I have faith, but let's just talk about something else. Because it's complicated now, will God heal when I when I pray for someone and lay their hand? Well, it depends. Depends on whether there's sin in their life or whether it's God's will or whether all this stuff. It's complicated, and, we, and in the complication, we don't know where we stand. We lose our solid ground. But ultimately, we go from this place of simplistic, too complicated, and then we have to take one more step into the simple. Because the best faith is that which is simple faith. They came to Jesus and they said, you know. What are the works that God requires? He said, you guys, you know, you know the scriptures. No one's more complicated than you Pharisees. You know it all. So here is, here's the works that God requires. Just believe. Boil this thing down. Get it simple again. Just believe. To just believe means no matter what happens, he always gives me everything that I need. I have, I, it's now sufficient grace. I find peace in any storm. And out of that peace comes the peace and the faith to pray for anything and instead of having expectations I have expectancy very different life so I've gone from simplistic to complicated to simple I have prayed for plenty of people who've risen up and been healed of cancer of any disease you can think of. I've seen them healed from this place you know I've buried just as many does it affect my faith not one bit not a bit God is always sufficient he always gives us every bit of grace that we need for every situation whether your diagnosis is going into death or it's not, well actually for all of us it actually is, whether we're aware of it or not, we're all ending that way. It's actually something very sobering when you realise that the, the stats are still pretty consistent, the death rate among Christians is still 100.0%. It's going to get us one day. But I can still have absolute faith and still see people risen up from those diseases right in the midst of that. Complicated faith can't live with that, simple faith can We just keep moving forward. I remember once, uh, not too long ago, just before we started this church, and um, I was in this season for a few years where I just felt like I was taking hit after hit for God. So just let that resonate, for God. In a situation, because you might be experiencing this too, I'm turning up, I'm being faithful, you know. And we're taking hit after hit for being the Christian guy. It's almost like you're turning up and you're being martyred as a Christian to the lion's. And one day, the good thing about trials is it compels you to drive you into a place of prayer that you weren't at before. I remember just one morning being in that place of prayer and I said, Lord, this is, and I said it to my wife as well, I've never worked so hard and had something fail so completely. It was completely new for me. didn't matter what I did. Tried every idea I had. It was just ground zero. And God just came back and said, you know, he didn't come back and say, it's going to be all right. It's going to work out. He didn't come back with a promise of anything circumstantial at all and sometimes he will and he can take that to the bank what he came back to me was when he said you don't have to go through this alone I'm never going to call you into pain that you need to bear on your own I'm with you this is mine this is too much for you you're not supposed to bear this alone and just that simple faith Allowed me to move on with complete victory. It didn't matter anymore what happened. That's simple faith. Simple faith, because faith comes from hearing, and hearing by God's word. And so our faith needs to learn, we need to grow it by hearing again what God is saying. And we need to have this evolving faith that grows with the pressures of our life. Because if we don't, what's going to happen is our faith stays the same, our world gets more complicated, so how do we compensate? We work harder and we progressively rely more and more on ourselves to make up the difference. Therefore, the expression uh, of our growth will lean towards what we can do for God, not not from Him, because our faith hasn't evolved. So I'm just doing more and more for Him because He's not showing up for me anymore. Can you see how this happens? It's very easy. It will atrophy to this all the time, especially if all we talk about in church is the higher things and not these simple things. So, to believe, to just believe from that simple place is the single greatest catalyst for peace in mature believers. To just be able to believe, to just trust, because faith always comes from hearing. I sat with Gordon MacDonald, who wrote a great uh, series of books. One of them is called Ordering Your Private World. Uh, he's a mentor of uh, the biggest sort of pastors in America, probably retired now, but. And I I took with him, took with me a a report from Sydney University. They'd done a report on why Christians, particularly ministers, are so regularly falling out of ministry, suffering burnout, depression in higher rates than the people they lead. Very exciting study. And um, what it says was that the door that's opened for us in life through the, the enthusiasm and the gifting and the faith that we have opens the door into higher things. And the higher things put more pressure. And the thing that became our joy, like our church services or our Bible reading, now becomes our chore because now it's where I've got to start feeding everybody else. And so I've got higher pressure and less fuel source, so it's inevitable that the thing that blesses us becomes the thing that destroys us. It's the same with your life. The thing that blesses us can quite easily become the thing that destroys you, unless faith can grow with that life. And so we must learn to have simple faith. Guys, on the PowerPoint, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to do any more. I have left out two major points. I had three. I'm only going to do one. I'm just mindful we have kids and it's holidays and all the stuff going on. And I just want to have us focus for a minute on faith. See, Australian Christians aren't falling asleep because we don't know enough about theology. We're not falling asleep because our buildings aren't good enough or the preachers no good. We're falling asleep because we've forgotten the basics, the very basics. One of them is faith. I've got probably six more I want to bring. Maybe I'll try next week without such a long intro. See, eventually, us living in a place of responsibility will inevitably cause us to dry up and wither away. We need to come back to faith. So can we pray now as a church? Let's just pray and have the Holy Spirit reveal to us what Jesus wanted to reveal to the church at Ephesus. He'd rather have no church than a dead church. We're not dead by any means, but I just don't want us to get there. I want to keep the important things the main thing. Let's just pray and come before the Lord now and ask him to examine with full compassion our faith and the band can come up while we do that. Let's close our eyes. Lord, I want to bless as someone in this house and I just want to come down to the same level because I'm not a preacher at the moment. Father, I just come down as a human being with the rest of us who has to struggle with complicated life and too many loads. But Lord, I'm not alone there. Everyone here in this room has the same situation with kids, Families, mortgages, frustrations, disappointments, incredible responsibilities. Decisions made in this room affect tens of thousands of people. I know that. So Father, we come to you and we just declare initially that we're we're helpless. There's nothing we can do of any worth that excludes your influence in our life. So Father, we just come here and if you're with me in this prayer, maybe you just want to stand with me and and just raise your hands in a real sense of helplessness. Father, we, just, we stand here in your presence, completely reliant on what you've done in creating us, in forming our life, in dying on the cross for our sin that we could never hope to repay, paying that price for us, giving us the Holy Spirit to give us the power to do what we could never do alone. And so, Father, we want to repent today of doing life as if we're doing it alone. For doing our life in a way that doesn't require you to show up minute by minute. To making huge decisions in our meetings. For making big decisions about relationships and life. And rather than asking you which way to go, we ask you to decide between left or right, up or down. Father, I pray for everyone here who's facing a big decision right now, that, Lord, you would reset their vision, that it wouldn't just be the options that they're considering, but, Lord, you always have a third option. You always have a greater win because, Lord, you can do more than we can ask or imagine. And so, Lord, we want to relax and smile and laugh on that truth with simple faith. You always give us what we need. So, Lord, I pray, just as Paul prayed to the Ephesians before it went slowly awry, that, Lord, By your spirit, you'd reveal to us that which can't be known, the breadth and the height and the width of your love. All that matters to you, God, with us is is our relationship with you, not our responsibilities that we do for you. You would discard those if it meant you would get relationship back, proven by the cross. You discarded the works for the sake of relationship. So, Lord, we set our compass towards you And as we come before you now in in humility and in worship, we place our trust in you for the things that really matter. Amen.